Let us turn, please, to this passage in Philippians, or rather in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And where the apostle says, And for me that utterance may be given unto me, verse 19, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. When I saw Mr. Paisley and Mr. Wiley and Mr. Foster in the prison, I used two passages from the Bible and I gave them this one for their side. And then I took Philippians chapter 1 for our side. And let's read it, please. Verse 12, But I would not have you, I would have you understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And that many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Beloved, you never know in the good providence of God how he's going to work, who he's going to use, or who he's going to raise up. We just don't know. But the Reverend Eon Paisley, 40 years of age, is in a place of tremendous service to Jesus Christ tonight. We have known him for some time. I've known him for at least 10 years. And I know all the story of his background. And He started this free Presbyterian church, split off from the big Presbyterian church. And he suffered all the abuses that you and I know about. And he had even the evangelicals in his country opposing because they said he was a little irregular, that he preached very, very vigorously, that, that he called names. They didn't like that. But... He is now being mightily used of God. He's in prison. Shut up. Locked up. He and his two brethren are just common prisoners. They got a number. They sleep in a cell. They lock them up at night. Just like they'd gone out and committed or murder or raped somebody. It's a terrible thing. But uh, behind the story is the thing that you and I are familiar with. Modernism. Apostasy. Great Presbyterian Church of Ireland going off to modernism, denying the Bible, denying the virgin birth, denying the deity of Christ. Same things we've been dealing with in this country. 
The only trouble with Paisley is after he separated and got out, he didn't do like a lot of people say today, well, we fought our battle and we're out now. Let's settle down and be quiet. He didn't settle down. And he didn't keep quiet. And he kept on preaching against the awful apostasy and winning souls to Christ. And the Lord blessed these little churches and they grew and they grew. Tonight he's getting ready to build the biggest assembly hall in the town. And he's going to have the biggest Protestant church in North Ireland. And they're taking up money to build that building right now. He hadn't had any education either like we call seminary education. He's been to Bible school. Consequently, he's a little out of line for some of these preachers that insist on the proper Ph.D. with the dots under it. He's more like the prophet Amos. He just was raised up of God. And uh, his churches joined our International Council of Christian Churches. They're members of our churches. And when he got in jail, got in prison, of course we knew of his problems, we knew the troubles. And A year ago he had Harvey Springer over there, and Harvey preached all over North Ireland with him. That evangelistic me. Imagine Harvey Springer going through Ireland. He did, but over there a month. He loved Harvey. Harvey came back down to Cape May with us, and he told me, he says, Dr. McIntyre says, Carl, something's going to happen. It's going to break loose in North Ireland one of these days. says, it's going to break loose over there. That's the way Harvey put it. And it has broken loose, lady. All hell's broken loose in North Ireland, if you want to know it. You never saw what's going to place over there in that country tonight. And, of course, we were praying that that's just what would happen. Something would happen to wake these people up and bring them out of these apostate churches. And get them into churches where the word of God is preached. And we've got to have a reformation. And over there, they don't even call it the 20th century reformation. They're still calling it the reformation. All these rallies they have, we have another reformation meeting tomorrow night. Another two meetings. One at three o'clock tomorrow afternoon over here. One over there. All these meetings are reformation meetings. That's what they call them. Wherever they go. But Paisley landed in jail. And then the stories came, and all we had, of course, was the reports from the newspapers, and Paisley was a hate monger, and he was a quasi-fascist, according to the Prime Minister of Great Britain. And we got these news reports, and they went all over this world. And some people were disturbed and upset about it. And you got the impression that maybe Paisley had made a mistake. Maybe he'd done something he shouldn't have done. Maybe he had, he had caused some trouble that he shouldn't have caused. And I felt immediately that it was my duty to go over there and see this situation and find out the facts for us so I could report to the Christian world. And since I was going to the Middle East anyhow for this meeting in Beirut, I landed in London and uh, had our brother there, Mr. Brian Green, who's secretary of the British Council of Churches, it's with us. He met me and we'd had correspondence. Of course, you couldn't correspond with Paisley. And he'd been over on Monday and seen Paisley in prison on Monday, and Paisley told him, he says, have McIntyre to come over. I was afraid I'd run into opposition from the Prime Minister if I went into Ireland, because he has forbidden all meetings where three or four or five people congregate and gather together, unless they're inside of some church building. And the situation is very tense and very tight in the whole land. So when I saw the way was clear, we made arrangements to go on my return. 
And when I landed in Belfast, Ireland, on Saturday morning, two of the brethren met me at the airport. They said, Dr. McIntyre, the way's been cleared for you to go to the prison immediately, and let's go. We got in the car and went through the quaint old streets of Belfast. Anybody's been there, you know what a beautiful city it is. And we went to this jail. And I said, what is it, jail or a prison? Well, it says it's the only place we got in the country. Call it what you want to. Holds up a whole city block. Big old smokestack going up there. Dark, dingy, dirty looking place. It was raining as usual. They call it liquid, what do they call it? Liquid sunshine or Irish sunshine. It just rang. That's why everything's so green in Ireland. But it was raining. I didn't have any raincoat, didn't have any hat, didn't have anything but a summer suit, and it got cold. But at any rate, we got out. We went over there, and we pressed the bell, and there were the great big iron gates. And they don't open the iron gates. They're solid. They just open a little square for you to call through, and I had to duck down and crawl in thing. And I got inside there with the brethren inside the gate, and... Uh, one of the men said, this is Dr. McIntyre, he's come to see you. Mr. Paley says, all right, come in there. And he ushered us into a room and said, sit down here. We sat down, we waited. Pretty soon a man came with some papers. He said, yes. He says, uh, arrangements has been made for Dr. McIntyre. The governor will permit uh, only Dr. McIntyre to go in. So after about 30 minutes of waiting, they came and said, Dr. McIntyre, would you go with this man? And here was a man with a chain and a pistol on his hip and so forth. And he says, come with me. And he took the key and... I went walking down with him and went through a little corridor and out in the court and into another building. We opened a gate and we walked in. He led me down through a corridor and into a side and into a little room. I walked in the room and he opened the door and there wasn't a thing there, just a white room. Walls were all white. It's a chair, six chairs, a brown table on top. Absolutely empty. And there was a stall over here for six hats, six seats. I said, well, at least they can accommodate six in this room. And he said, you wait here. And he went out. And he was gone about ten minutes. And I kept sitting there. And, of course, they didn't let me take anything in. I couldn't take a thing. Any papers or anything like that. I did take the Bible. I asked if I could take the Bible. They said, yes, you could take the Bible. So I went in. And I was sitting there. And pretty soon, here came Paisley and Wiley and Foster. He opened the door and came bounding and shook hands. How are you? I says, well, how are you? He says, we're just fine. He says, I'm the cook here. He says, I'm in the cooking business now. And he says, Wiley, he's a cook. And he says, Foster, he's a carpenter. And uh, I said, well, are they taking good care? Yeah, he says, they're taking very good care of us. He says, they're very nice to us. And the man had brought him in. He sat out at the end of the table. And I sat at this end. And Paisley sat there. And Wiley sat there. And Foster sat there. And I said, well, now, Paisley, I says, tell me the story. I says, you've gotten some awful publicity. Paisley then told me the story from his side. And he says, Dr. McIntyre, I'm not guilty of a thing. He says, I've just been, been preaching against this apostasy and against the ecumenical movement. He says, I've gone over and demonstrated at the General Assembly every year for years. And he told me, I got a permit, he said. I was perfectly lawful. Everything was in order. He said, we've done it before. We went the route they told us to go. We went over there to the General Assembly, and after going around three times, the police came and blocked off this Howard Street with rope so we couldn't go any further. We had to stop. And he said they were doing it so the men from the General Assembly could get out and go somewhere down the street. And he says they didn't have any permit to parade at all. And he says that congregated us all. He said we had some Roman Catholics that came in and began to yell and carry on. But he said we didn't have a riot. He says our people were decent. He says there was a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, a lot of things were said. But he said the whole meeting dispersed, and he said that was it. He said they arrested one lad who was a Roman Catholic. 
They took him down to the place where they arrested him and they let him go. And he said, we didn't hear anything more about it until four weeks later when I was arrested. He said, they came with three automobiles, one behind my car and two in front, and they treated me like a criminal and arrested me. And I said, I said, you don't need to bother about me. I'll go with you if you're going to arrest me. He says, you're charged with unlawful assemblage. Unlawful assemblage. That meeting in front of the General Assembly where that crowd gathered didn't have permission to meet there, and you're the leader of it, therefore you're the one we charge with unlawful assemblage. They had a hearing. He subpoenaed, or he told me rather, that they had, uh, or immediately after the meeting itself, when they had their so-called unlawful assemblage, the moderator, the clerk, the officials of the World Council of Churches went over to see the Prime Minister. And the Prime Minister received them and heard their story and told them that they would deal with Paisley. And the Secretary of the Home Office then went and stood before the General Assembly and apologized for what had happened out in front and told them that they would take care of Paisley. When this became common knowledge as it was reported, Paisley asked the Prime Minister to receive him. And the Prime Minister would not receive him. Four weeks later, he was arrested. They had the trial. I have the record of the trial. We intend to print the entire stenographic record of this hearing. All they could find that Paisley did, they accused him of saying on a loudspeaker, you folks can go back to Rome, but we're not going to go with you. Now that's as much as they quoted from him in court. And that's what they're doing. They're going back to Rome as fast as they can go in the ecumenical movement. And Paisley says he's not going with them, and I'm not either. And neither are the rest of us going. But Paisley wasn't guilty of any disturbance. He wasn't guilty of anything. Anyhow, they had the hearing. And the uh, uh, testimony was that he was in the process of a, of a march for which he had a permit. And the march had been outlined, the way in which they were to go was all outlined, and they were scrupulously following that order. The police blocked that march and caused the people to congregate. Paisley arranged, he was his own defender, that he didn't have a lawyer, he defended himself. He's meant to put up for themselves in the court. And they arranged that the policemen who were the witnesses against Paisley be brought in one by one. So the one that testified... Didn't, wasn't hurt by the ones later on and they got themselves all tangled up all mixed up terribly confused Paisley summoned the prime minister he summoned the moderator of the general assembly he subpoenaed these men to come and appear as witnesses and they refused to come and that was the end of it at any rate when the court case brought its the prosecution closed Paisley had 70 witnesses there and he said it wasn't any use calling any of them they hadn't proved anything against me and he said, we just simply told the judge they hadn't proved anything. There was nothing for us to refute. But the judge found them guilty. Fined them 30 pounds and said they had to go to jail for three months. Three months for this offense. Or they'd have to sign what they call a bond of peace or a bail for peace, which was that they would promise that for two years they would not disturb the peace. Two years, they would not disturb the peace. They hadn't even accused Paisley of disturbing the peace up to this moment. He hadn't been engaged in any civil disobedience. He hadn't been engaged in any provocation of riot. They had no proof of it. 
Well, Paisley said, I'll appeal. He started to appeal. When he went to fix up the appeal, he found out he had to find a bond there for two years to keep the peace. Well, he couldn't sign it. No man would sign that. It's a preacher of the gospel. Paisley can't even walk down the street. He can't move anywhere. He can't make any speech. Somebody will start throwing eggs at him or rocks at him or something else at him. And you've got the peace disturbed. Then they come in with a lot of confusion. He's arrested. And then he's in jail for two years. Paisley wouldn't do it. No honor to him. The only way he'd get his freedom was to go and pay the price which he's in jail paying. And on the 20th of October, when he gets out, ladies and gentlemen, he'll be a free man and all Ireland's going to rise up and you'll see the greatest overturning you ever saw on the 20th or the 21st of October. You wait and see. Now my Bible says that if any man suffer as an evildoer, let him be ashamed. And if a Christian is guilty of murder and guilty of unlawful acts, he should be ashamed of it, he should pay the penalty, and he should make the apologies and make restitutions and let the Lord's people know he's sorry for his sin. And that's the way we work as Christians. But if a man suffer as a Christian, he's got nothing to apologize for. If a man suffer as a Christian, let us glorify God on that behalf. And these people in North Ireland, all of the people that I had anything to deal with, they believe that a terrible injustice has been done. They believe that a conspiracy is in effect between the General Assembly and the World Council of Churches and the Roman Catholic Church and the Prime Minister, and they've used political power to put these men out of circulation for three months. Silence them. And they have done that. They've silenced them for three months. And they've used political power and civil power working together to bring this to pass. I don't say that Paisley is guilty of anything except preaching the gospel and getting people concerned about the matter of preserving the Christian religion, the Protestant faith in North Ireland, and all honor to him. And furthermore, we're going to do everything we can to stand beside him all over the world. And if they're going to smear him, they'll have to smear the entire International Council of Christian Churches. Because all our churches and all our groups are going to stand solidly behind these men who are in prison over there unjustly in Ireland tonight. Now let me tell you about the situation generally in the country. And then I'll speak about the Orangemen that I've learned a great deal about and have come to love. But North Ireland consists of six counties, they call it Ulster, which in 1921 refused to be a part of the Republic of Ireland. And they are under the rule of the crown or under in the British Empire. South Ireland or the Republic of Ireland is Roman Catholic 95%. Only 5% Protestant. North Ireland is 70% Protestant and 30% Roman Catholic. Ever since the 1921 uh, decision, there has been established the Irish Republican Army sworn to reunite Ireland and to bring them out from under the British crown and to attach them to Roman Catholic Ireland. That group is rough. They murder, they take uh, guns, they're 
a very dangerous group. Our brethren believe they've been infiltrated by the communists, but they are active in this fight to reunite North Ireland. Now the Prime Minister, the Prime Minister is a member of the Church of Ireland and he is an ecumenist. He's for the World Church, the World Council, for everything. And under the term of ecumenism, he instituted a program whereby North Ireland and South Ireland would get back together. Couldn't have done a worse thing. Now over here on the religious side, you had the Protestant 70%. And uh, you have the leadership of that in the ecumenical hands. And they, in the interest of the ecumenical movement, were talking about this Christian unity program and the union with the Roman Catholic Church. They couldn't talk about a worse thing in North Ireland. So, with Mr. Paisley and Life magazine and his story, tried to make it out that the great thrust of his campaign was against the Catholics. It is not. The Catholics are involved, all right. But the great thrust of his campaign has not been against the Catholics. It's been against the Protestants for their apostasy and for their program of going back to the Roman Catholic Church and developing the One World Church. And that's been Paisley's great thrust in his preaching in North Ireland. Well, now you have the political situation developing with the Prime Minister moving to reunite the two countries under Roman Catholic domination in the name of the spirit of ecumenism. You had the religious struggle with the World Council of Churches and the unity movement with Paisley rising, the great champion in North Ireland in behalf of the historic Christian faith. So you had a convergence here of political programs and religious programs which raised in the minds of everybody in the country whether they were going to continue to be a Protestant country or not. Whether they were going to finally come under the control of a Roman Catholic authority which ruled South Ireland. And beloved, this has all taken place since April of this year. And in five or six months, this whole country has just become electric on every hand over these questions. And Paisley has personified the idealism. He has represented the appeal to justification by faith and that which stirs the Protestants in their determination to be true to the word of God. Now that's what's happened. Now the orange men come into the picture because in North Ireland you have the orange men. They're a Protestant organization to defend the faith and preserve the freedom of North Ireland. And the orange men have more or less ruled the country. If you're an orange man, if you get elected, it's, well, you need to be an orange man to get elected. And the Orangemen took up this great issue. And they have split right down the middle. Paisley himself is not a member of the Orange Lodge. He's not a member of anything except just his church. He's just preaching. But the Orangemen that are Protestant in their understanding of the faith and have a deep spiritual attitude, they've all lined up behind Paisley. And the orangemen that go and stand around at the pubs and get drunk, as a lot of them do, they back the prime minister. And the prime minister is an orangeman. 
So now that is the circumstances in that country, and of course with only five counties and a million, a little over a million, maybe three-quarters people, there's not very many people there, it's a small country, you can drive around it in one day, uh, and with the interest stirring in the hearts of the people, it has become the number one issue and the number one subject at every discussion. And Paisley's name is painted all over the place, ladies and gentlemen. It's on the streets and it's on the walls. It's just everywhere you go. It's Paisley, 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 Paisley. And you ask the people, how did Paisley get his name painted in so many places? The people put it there. The people put it there. Now the next thing that I want to tell you about this situation as it relates to Paisley is that Paisley's program right now, he's in jail. The papers are against him. Can't get on the radio, that's all against him. BBC carries these reports, all against him. The Associated Press stories are against him. And their report is that this is the man who is guilty of stirring religious hatred and bigotry. And this is the man who's guilty of several murders which have taken place in the country in recent months. Particularly the one that took place down here at this pub which is called the Malvern Pub. That's a saloon. And Life magazine picked that story up, and I'm going to give you this story just briefly. As I told you this morning, we've been trying to get Life magazine to report the International Council of Christian Churches. They've given the Pope page after page. They've given the World Council page after page. They've given all these things, and we've known that they were sympathetic to the ecumenical cause, but we thought that someday they'd at least report our International Council and what's doing. Well, now they've given it to us, all right, it's Paisley. And here's four pages with Paisley's big picture, and the whole thing starts out, this man Paisley has a voice of hatred, hatred in his voice, and it starts out with the idea that Paisley's behind all these riots and troubles and things that they've had. Of course, they haven't had very many riots yet, but they talk as though they've had all kinds of them over there. But uh, we're told here, quote, he is a tall, bull-shouldered Joe McCarthy type, possessed of a few facts and little reason. And uh, as the story goes on, they have a whole picture here given to this Malvern Arms, a whole page almost. And it has a picture here of the Archbishop of Canterbury in his red robe pasted up on the second story, and then a picture of what they call Paisley pasted up on the second story. And then they say down here at the bottom of it, at the Malvern Arms in Belfast, three Catholic boys were shot down, published pictures of Paisley and the Archbishop of Canterbury, his arch non-Catholic fool. Well... Immediately, when I saw the picture, I, before I went over, I said, at least they don't have the Pope up there alongside of Paisley. And they say the issue is Catholicism, but they got the Archbishop of Canterbury up there. And I never thought of what that was an honest picture. I really didn't. And when I got to Belfast, I showed this picture to the brother. I said, man, look at this. I said, look where they've got Paisley. And he says, Paisley wasn't up there. He says, you can go down there now. Paisley's not up there now. He says, Paisley's not there. And I says, take me over. So we went by, and I went down, got out of the car, and I took this Life magazine, my recorder, and my notebook, and people came along the street, and I says, folks, I says, just a minute, can I talk to you? Oh, yes. I said to one, I says, do you live here? She said, yeah, I live right here, she said. I says, look at this picture. You see that picture? Yes. 
I says, was that picture up there of Paisley? That's Paisley. It says Paisley down there. They put his name under it. I says, was that here the night they killed this fella? Was that here the night these, these boys were killed? This boy was killed at 2 o'clock in the morning at this saloon out in the street. They says, no, I wasn't here. Wasn't here at all. And I said, it's not up there now either, is it? No, it's not up there now. I said, when was it up there? They said, we don't know. Well, apparently it was put up there, but I said to them, I said, Paisley doesn't wear robes like that. That's somebody else. Paisley don't wear robes. He's like I am. He wears ordinary suits like we do. If they're going to put Paisley up there, they ought to dress him up like he belongs. But here is Life magazine presenting a picture with Paisley on the second story of this pub right above the arm and telling us the man was shot dead here in this street and associating the Paisley issue with the murder that took place. And that's Life magazine in the United States of America. And there was no Paisley picture there when that murder took place. And there is no Paisley's picture there tonight because I was there, unless they put it up since last week. And then Life magazine goes on. And they tell us here about this terrible fellow Paisley and in this story after they list the fact that there was some shooting there Chicago-style rub-out at a Belfast pub trying to associate this thing with Paisley. We read here, an inspector quoted one of the suspects as saying, quote, I'm sorry, I wish I had never heard of that man Paisley. An inspector, a police inspector, quoted so that somehow the fellow who's accused of committing the murder says, I'm sorry I ever heard of Paisley. Well, beloved, I was interested in getting at the heart of that. And in the good providence of God, this suspect in jail there, he's held as a suspect for murder. One of his relatives, who's a born-again Christian, got in to see him. And she asked him point blank about this statement. He says, I never made that statement. The boy's never even been around Paisley, never been in Paisley's place, isn't connected with Paisley in any way. And here Life magazine takes just a hearsay statement, all it is, and puts it in here to build up this image of this man uh, influencing these people to go out and commit murder. It's a terrible thing what they've done to this man. But what they've done to him, they have done to us. And then the queen came over, and you heard all this story about the troubles the queen had, and they blamed Paisley. Rocks and bottles heaved at the queen. No, no, Paisley was in favor of the queen coming. Somebody heaved a chunk of concrete at the queen, and they called it a Paisley act, but it turned out that the fellow who heaved the hunk of concrete was a Roman Catholic that did it. It's kind of like the Oswald business. All the right wing killed the president until they found out a communist did the job. And beloved, the moment you get into struggles, I don't care what the nature of those struggles are, always there is the element that comes forward with the accusation and all this type of association to do their best to discredit the servant of God in these circumstances. And that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, He was not ashamed of my chain. Wasn't ashamed of my chain. And all these orangemen over there, they're not ashamed of it either. And I went to a dedication service on Saturday afternoon. They had hundreds of them there. Rededicating themselves to defend the Protestant faith and to preserve the freedom of North Ireland. 
And then on Saturday night, they took me down to kill Keel, I guess they call the town. They killed a keel down there, I guess, or whatever they did. But anyhow, I got in town, and here were the orangemen marching down with their banners, and they had their orange things around their necks, and they paraded down into this field. And I went off down there, and I stood there for two hours in the drizzling rain while men stood on that old truck, and they talked about these issues. And even some of the Baptist leaders that used to be against Paisley have now come out for Paisley, and this is having an effect of uniting the real Christians in North Ireland because these men are unjustly in prison tonight. The unholy war of preacher Paisley. I'm used to being called a hate monger, aren't we? Same strategy that's been employed in this country to stigmatize what they call the right wing. The same strategy that's been employed in this country to to stigmatize the men who are against the communist movement. The same strategy that's been employed in this country against men like myself as defrocked Presbyterians and the like is now being used against Paisley and here he's called a self-styled man and in the London account they even said his credentials are in question. Well, his credentials aren't in question. He's properly ordained and he's now a part of the International Council of Christian Churches and our groups recognize their churches as bona fide churches and they can't question that at all. But they do. When we get down to the end of our little talk with Paisley, I says, let me read the Bible to you. My old fellow said, nowhere taking notes. He heard all we said. I told him a lot of things that were going on with our movement. He was so happy. But you know what Paisley said to me when the first thing he says, tell me about Springer's funeral. Tell me about Springer's funeral. Springer had been over there and he loved it. I told him. And I turn and I read this passage which you have for you tonight. I am an ambassador in bonds. And I says, Paisley, we're going to pray for you that when you get out of this place, you'll speak stronger than you've ever spoken before. It isn't a sin for you to preach the truth in your country. It isn't a crime for you to speak out against the departures from the Christian religion in your country. It isn't a crime for you to cry out against this General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in your country. I told him. And I says, may God give you courage and bold. He says, don't worry. He says, don't worry. He says, when we get out of here, he says, things are going to happen. And they are. Things are going to move. And we're going to bring him to the United States, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to put him up as exhibit A of ecumenical persecution. All the world is ecumenical persecution. Shutting men up in prison so they can't talk. By the way, I was interested in Life Magazine's report. You see, they didn't tell you about the trial. They didn't even tell you the details as to why it got in. They left all that out. But it was interesting, even in this, they say, Paisley was legally, if only temporarily, silenced last month and sent to jail because he had been striding around, shouting too loudly what the Scotch-Irish have always been taught. Well, that's true. He's been striding around, shouting it too loudly. Got too many people believing it. And beloved, there is a tremendous gap between these top leaders up here in the ecumenical movement and their conniving politicians and the great rank and file of the people who live and die 
and need the blood of Jesus to cleanse them from their sins. There's a gap at that point. And Paisley's exposed that gap and now the country's with him. And it's going to have tremendous repercussions politically in North Ireland before it's finished. They even say Paisley's going to be prime minister before this thing gets through. You can't tell what's going to happen over there in North Ireland as a result of this. And it's my prayer, beloved, it is my prayer that here in this country, this gap that we know exists, that somehow or other we too can get to the hearts of the people who love the word of God in this country and that we can have the same resurgence of faith, the same kind of reformation, the same turning away from the apostasy and the same building of churches which will be filled with men who believe in missions and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't help but notice the difference between our attitude toward Paisley and the World Council's attitude toward their prisoners. Richard Wormbrandt, actually employed by the World Council of Church, one of their own men, was put in jail in Romania by the communists and he stayed there 14 years. Not three months, 14 years he stayed there. And now he comes out with his scars and he bares his breast before the Senate Internal Security Subcommittee. And you see what they did to him in prison. Did anybody from the World Council of Churches go to see him in prison? No. Did anybody in the high levels of the World Council of Churches say, let's pray for one of our brethren who's in prison in Romania? No. Did anyone even let anybody know that anybody was in prison? We didn't even know Wormbrat was in prison. We'd have prayed for him if we'd known it. They didn't even let us know that their man was imprisoned by the communist and 14 years of this kind of suffering. But during those 14 years, Dr. Blake was running back and forth between Moscow. He was talking to Nikolai and bringing him over here, going with Nicodem and bringing him into the World Council. And these World Council men were playing and courting and whining and dining these men from Moscow who are the traitors to Christianity in Russia tonight. And so while the men that are true men like Wormbrandt were in prison, the traitors were being received and honored by this World Council of Churches. And I don't hesitate to say tonight that Nicodem and Nikolai and these men from Moscow over there are traitors to Christianity. They have completely capitulated to communism and they're now telling us that the church is helping to build a new socialist state. But that's the way their prisoners suffer. But when one of our men gets in prison, it makes no difference where he is. If he's associated with our movement and he's a child of God, we're going to go and find out what the trouble is. And if he's guilty of some sin, let him be forgiven of it and pray for him. But if he's not, let's cry out to high heaven that he's suffering as a Christian. And have prayer meetings and do everything we can as loyal Christians in this English-speaking Anglo-Saxon world to stand up for freedom for our preachers to preach. I stood in his pulpit last Sunday, and I want to tell you, beloved, it did something to my soul. I thought the preacher that belongs in this pulpit has been taken out of it 
not by a vote of the congregation. He's been taken out of this pulpit, not by a vote of the presbytery. He's been taken out of this pulpit, not by some decision of his own. He has been taken out of this pulpit by a political power conniving with religious forces to silence his preaching. And his pulpit is vacant today because the government took him out of it. That's going just a little bit too far for me. That's going just a little bit too far for us. And I'm asking everybody that's listened to Carl McIntyre to sit down and write a letter to the Queen of England. Write her a nice sweet letter and say, Your Majesty, in a Protestant land the situation has so reversed itself that the man who stands up for what England always stood for is now in prison. And the men that are betraying England and all that she stood in her glorious Protestant heritage are now conniving with your rulers to silence these men. Oh, I'm preaching the truth to you people tonight. Thank God I'm in a position to do it. Thank God I was able to go to North Ireland. I don't know, you know, when Paisley was informed, you know, they made requests that I get in. When Paisley was informed that he was going to have a visitor, they told him that the president of the World Council was coming to see him. That's right. There was a mistake on the ledger. I don't know who made it or how it got there, but I got in under being a president of the World Council of Church. I don't know. I'm wondering if they would have let me in if they'd known that we were on the radio network across this country that we are. They won't let any newspaper men in. They won't let anybody in that can report anything. But thank God in his providence I was able to get in and ladies and gentlemen tonight when I left that prison I stood on the outside of that jail and looked back at those iron bars and the tears rolled down my cheeks. One of my brethren who stands exactly where I stand upon this earth, who stands for the Bible as the Word of God, who stands for the freedom of the individual under God. And Paisley does not believe that the Roman Catholic Church is a proper place for Protestantism to unite. He does not believe it. He's got a right to believe it. He's got a right to say it. But look at this Life magazine, Time magazine, NBC across the country. All these mass media in the hands of men who are smearing and misrepresenting. I say to you tonight, if the color of the skin of these men in North Island had been black and one of their leaders had been associated with Martin Luther King and they'd gone out and caused a riot as a result of their civil disobedience, you'd had the most favorable kind of reporting, publicity. And instead of calling them men of hate, men of hate, they say they're angry young men who are setting things right. Now that's the difference. That's the difference. And King and his revolution is violating our laws and our standards and Paisley's standing by the laws and he's trying to preserve our standards and he's the one that's in prison. Now, beloved, on the 24th of September, 
We're going to have a meeting in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania for religious toleration in this country. The Democratic Party in the state of Pennsylvania has committed the worst offense that they could commit against our religious freedom and toleration. I'm shouting it, I'm preaching it, I'm going across that state, I'm going on the radio, I'm doing everything I can to get back to the hearts of the people and let them realize that the Puritans who came to this land, they fled this kind of persecution. And they came over here into a wilderness and opened it up and made a land of freedom so we could have freedom. And the Democratic Party in the state of Pennsylvania has forsaken that freedom in the House of Representatives. And I'm a preacher and they can lock me up if they want to. But it's the truth. And unless we'll have men who'll rise and preach these things, unless we'll have men who'll rise and deal with these things, you know, they've got a country through full of little paisleys over there now. It's full of little paisleys. These fellas came up, one fella got up and preached on that platform, a little skinny fella, never had any seminary training. You should have heard him. He preached better than my graduates in faith seminary. He really was on fire. They got a country full of little Paisleys. They're just rising up and something about Paisleys being in jail stirs the hearts of these preachers and they're talking and they're preaching and they're talking to the people and all hell can't stop the reformation that's going on in North Island today. And the NBC said that they haven't come into the 20th century over there yet. Beloved, my Savior is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you don't, don't judge the gospel of Jesus Christ by the 16th century, the 20th century, or any other century. You judge the gospel of Jesus Christ as the only way in which a sinner in any age, at any time, can find peace with God and be justified in the sight of the Almighty God. Now, I've invited the orange men. You know, when I spoke to that group of orange men over there on Saturday afternoon, great crowd, I said, Brethren, do you have relatives or loved ones in the United States? Oh, yes, they've all got them. I said, You write them letters, will you? And tell them the story, and then ask them to come to Harrisburg. And I'd give anything if I could get an Irish band up there for that convocation. If I could just get an Irish band up there that afternoon for that convocation with some of these orange men connected with it. And believe me, ladies and gentlemen, we're Americans and we don't believe in the queen, but we sure think the queen ought to do something now. She could do it. And it depends upon what sort of a reaction there is among the people of this country. And in a few days, I'm going to announce to you people that we're buying time for one solid day on WXUR. We're going on that station in the morning. We're going to stay on all day. Newspapers won't tell our stories. We can't get anything in the inquiry about our meetings. The bulletin shuts us out tight. The Daily News writes editorials against us. We'll just buy time for one solid day. We'll bring in orchestras and bands and testimonies and reports and get things over. And we will command this area. Command it. That the people of this area will be without excuse before Almighty God in these matters of our liberty and our heritage as free people. And we'll do it by the grace and by the help of Almighty God. And you just pray he gives me strength and wisdom to carry this thing on. 
because Paisley's locked up over there in jail. Sometimes I think it'd be a good thing if they'd put me in jail for three months. I need a good vacation. Paisley looking good. He, he cooks his own food. He gets along fine. He'd really have a good time in jail. Oh, beloved, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. And this morning I, I talked about some of my own people in my church. And uh, I hope maybe we got it settled this morning with some of them. But you dear people in your church here, you didn't know what this church was in for when you joined it. We're in for a great battle in the last days to preserve the Christian faith and to reach souls and to pay whatever price is necessary in this great land of ours. We're here to do it. Those of you who don't like it, I can recommend some of these sissy churches you can join. Plenty of them. There's a lot of fundamentalists around here. You can go join them. They'll comfort you in tacking McIntyre and saying he should have done it differently. And there's still a few fellows over there in Ireland tonight. Uh, there's a few fellows around over there. They say, well, it's too bad that Paisley's in jail. But if he'd just done it differently, he wouldn't be there. So let's let him alone. Beloved, John the Baptist wouldn't have got his head cut off either if he'd just done it a little bit differently. Paul never would have had his imprisonment if he hadn't gone in the temple the day, did he? He shouldn't have gone in that day. He should have gone in some other day. You can always rationalize. You can always say that you don't like his way and oh, he's kind of offensive the way he preaches and he's pretty, pretty strong. He's too strong for me. Okay, you go get you some weak sister and stay with him. That's what you want. But please don't hinder us. Let us go ahead in a land of liberty and stand up for these great ideals that relate to the things upon which this country was built. And I read that passage and I'll close. The things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather for the furtherance of the gospel. Oh, Paisley will reach more people in jail. He's writing in a commentary, he says, on the book of Romans. And uh, now we have a great issue before us. A great issue. Talk about fairness. Talk about the doctrines of giving people a chance. All these mass media conspired together. They're all the same line, same type of thing, working together to down the Protestants. To down the men who believe in our kind of freedom. To down the men who are opposed to this communist in collaboration with it. To down these men in this country in the minds of the people. And it's going to have to be the people that will rise up and say, No, sir, we're going to preserve our Christian heritage in this country and the free exercise of religion. Now, beloved, please, you can't go to jail with us in Ireland. You can't do that. But you can go to Harrisburg. And you can get all manner of people to go to Harrisburg. And this gives you the greatest opportunity you ever had to talk about things. Talk, talk, talk. Get information. Get the stories. Get our little Christian beacon. Paisley's paper last week was 40000 This week it's 50000 I wish we could jump the subscriptions of the Christian beacon 10000 a week. Tremendous if we could. But it is going to happen. Something's going to happen in this country of ours. Something's going to happen. Beginning on the 4th, that's a week from today, NBC is going to give four weeks, four weeks of free time, a half hour, television time, to the National Council of Churches to report the meeting in Geneva. 
when Nicodem and Blake had their kissing party. It's all going to be on there for four weeks. And I want you to look at it. I want everybody to look at it. And I'm asking NBC for free time to answer. But we intend to record those. And uh, by the way, Donald Barnhouse, Dr. Barnhouse's son, is the commentator in this thing from WCAU. And beloved, I want you people to recognize I'm going to take them, I'm going to record them, I'm going to reproduce them, I'm going to answer them, and we're going to give it away across this country and let the Christian people realize that millions and millions of dollars of free television time is given to the National Council of Churches to brainwash the American people, and you get no opportunity to reply. You just wait till I get on this station over here for one solid day. Some of you folks will have to skip work that day. You'll have to skip it. We are going, I am going to go after the Philadelphia newspapers. I'm going after NBC TV. I am going to really blister these organizations for their intolerance. They are helping to add afflictions to the bonds of men like Paisley. And the time for us to save our freedom in this country is now, while we still have it. You just tell everybody that McIntyre's been over in prison, he got out, he's come home, and you can't tie him down. You just tell him, he can't be tied down. We've got all this material, we've got all this material. And what delights my soul is that when you deal with these issues and you come to grips, the gospel comes in there and the spirit of God comes in there and men get under conviction and they get saved. They believe that there's only one way to be saved. It's not by the church. It's not by the state. It's not by the hierarchy. It is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Only by the precious blood of the Lamb can men be cleansed and justified and see the face of our Lord and Savior. The old world's going to hell, beloved. It's going down this broad road so fast, and it's turning to crucify the men who stand where Jesus stood and offer to men the message of everlasting life. Oh, you people, let's be Christians. Let's be Protestants. Let's not be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Let's fill up our buses. Let's get ourselves organized. Let's get going. And this could be the great moment that we've been praying for and asking God to give us. This could be it. And if the people would forsake these modernistic churches in this country like they're forsaking them in North Ireland, oh, beloved, it would mean a reformation. Let us pray. O God, tonight we thank Thee. Oh, we thank Thee that Thou hast given us opportunities now to go ahead. Help us to get over these barriers. Help the people everywhere to realize that there's some great issues at stake. And oh, Father, let these men out of prison. Let them out of prison. Speak to the heart of the Queen. Lord, we're living in such tremendous days. We think of Daniel. He has your words. We think of Joseph and Pharaoh. We think of the Caesars. Oh, God, the kings and the queens and the empires rise and fall at thy bidding. And oh, great God, tonight remember these three men in that jail.
common criminals, numbers locked in cells tonight because they love Jesus. And they see what's happening to the country and to the world. They've cried out in North Ireland. God bless them. Upset England. Shake the throne. May this thing get into the parliament. Oh, gracious God, spare our land tonight. Amen. I want us to stand and sing, A mighty fortress is our God. Mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Hymn number 166. Let's stand and sing it, everybody. They sing these kind of hymns over there.